My name is Ashley, and this is Let's Talk Dispatch. I do. <laughs> You're gonna do it. Do it really well. And I believe the world needs more dispatchers. Around in the mud, blood, and beer. Years that I'm not working Fourth of July. So on this show, with the help of my guests, we will educate, empower, and support the heroes behind the headset. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode here at Let's Talk Dispatch with me, Ashley, the Raspy Dispatcher. Sorry if I'm looking a little rough today. I pulled a little six-hour overtime shift, uh, midnight to 06 last night, and now I'm up at noon. My time jumping on another wonderful interview for you guys. Um, I really am excited about today's interview, like all the interviews, let's be honest, but One thing I love to talk about with folks is, you know, life after dispatch, life after the headset, and how they were able to uh, take those skills that we learned in dispatching are so unique to dispatchers and find another calling um, after leaving 911. So today, my guest, Vanessa Lewis, is going to talk about that with me, uh, how she got into emergency management after dispatching and business continuity. So here is Vanessa. Hi, Hi Vanessa. <laughs> Hi, nice oh, to meet you. Nice to virtually meet you as yeah. well. <laughs> Thank you so much for being willing to jump on and talk to me today. Absolutely. <laughs> so how did you get into public safety? What is your dispatch journey? You know, um, kind of that classic tale, kid of public safety. Um, You know, my granddad on my mom's side was a battalion chief with our local Mm -hmm. fire department when he retired. Mm -hmm. My dad became an officer at the local police department. He's Mm -hmm. still a sergeant there to this day. Uh, My mom became a dispatcher when we got to be a little Mm -hmm. older at the same department. Um, I kind of grew up not, you know, I had a few things I was interested in, but school, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I was, I didn't have like a real, like, kind of that what I want to be when I grow up feeling mm-hmm. um, a lot of things I was interested in um, it was you know I graduated in 2001 September 11th happened right mm-hmm. you know my freshman year of college I was kind of aimless um, I was working for a vet at the time um, and I had been doing that all throughout high school I started working in a 24-hour vet I liked that kind of emergency thing mm-hmm. um, after doing that for a few years my mom you know kind of had me come sit in with her one night in dispatch mm-hmm. um, she was a call taker and at one point she goes you know you could do yeah actually I I say that, you know, I actually did that when I was still 17 because she goes, well, you know, when you turn 18, you could do this <laughs> apply. And I was like, well, I don't know if I want to dispatch with my dad on the radio. <laughs> so, um, you know, but I kind of kept it in the back of my mind. And when I turned probably around the time I turned 20, mm-hmm. um, maybe even when I was still 19, actually, I started applying because my parents kind of gave me that, you know, you don't have to go to school, but you might want to find a big girl. <laughs> you know, I think we've all had that conversation in some yeah. way, yeah. shape, or form so, with our parents. <laughs> so that's what I did. Yeah. So I, I it took a long time, actually, because, you know, a lot of um, departments at the time didn't want to hire a 19, 20 year old. Mm. Um, a lot. Of, we had a few departments around here that wouldn't hire you unless you were 21. Mm-hmm. Um, so it 
it probably took a good year and a half for me to just applying anywhere and everywhere around here in the DFW area wow. um, before I finally got on with a, a pretty decent sized town just north of mm-hmm. Dallas called Carrollton. Okay. Um, and I started there in December of 2003 um, thinking, you know, I'll do this until I get my stuff together and <laughs> get through college. And, you know, this will, this will be good. You know, it's the most money I'd ever made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I heard that. Woo. <laughs> So, you know, I thought I can do this. I can move out of my parents' house. I can get myself through school, you know, and, mm. and you know, just be a, a single girl out on the town and <laughs> have money and going to school and, you know, figure out what I want to be. Um, and that same month, I met my husband. <laughs> <laughs> no hot girl summer now. <laughs> no hot girl summer at all. Never happened. We got um, that dual income, baby. Come over here with them benefits. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, and I'll tell you, I didn't, it was definitely not love at first sight. Uh, he was kind of mean to me at first because I was, you know, a lowly uh, trainee. And, um, you know, he was, yeah, he was actually kind of mean to me. <laughs> a few times. He was on a different shift. Um, he was After this podcast interview, you guys are going to be a fight. And he's going to be like, I don't know what we're fighting about. Like, remember back before we were even knowing each other like that? I'm- oh, I always, I always where, you know, we've been together. Gosh, it'll be 19 years this year. Oh, look at that. But, yeah. A round of yeah. applause Thank for that. Um, <laughs> But what, what really sealed it for us was he was actually, he did my classroom training. So that one-on-one time with him, we got to know each other and figured out that we had a same sense of humor. That's wonderful. Um, yeah. So he was actually my first boyfriend um, when I was 20 years old and he was 31. So that got my parents. <laughs> they were like, never mind. You don't need that big girl job. Come right back into this house now. <laughs> they were more worried that I'd end up with another cop. <laughs> I was like, no, not at all for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, that's kind of what, you know, he actually, we kept it on the down low for a while. He actually ended up quitting that department in June of that same, you know, right after and he went to work at the same department as my parents. Hmm. Um, That's one way that, to keep my eye on him. I tell you. <laughs> the first time he ever met my dad was at work. Oh. Not <laughs> <laughs> like, do you acknowledge uh, yeah. it or you just keep with the sir, lieutenant? Well, <laughs> you know, he had met my mom. My dad was in undercover narcotics at the time. He was oh, he even under- better. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because my dad can scuzz up. With the oh, yeah. Um, he uh, he had come in. In fact, I always laugh. So I'm uh, half Hispanic and half white. My mother's mm-hmm. white, blonde hair. Hey, me too, girl. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Girls. Um, my dad looks like Cheech. I mean, literally looks like Cheech. <laughs> I said my dad looks like the Mexican Hulk Hogan. He's like big guy. <laughs> yeah, with my dad's got that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, yeah the, the big full mustache. Yeah, uh-huh. my dad's got that too. So when, uh, when you know, he met my, Chris, you know, Chris, my husband, and met my mom, he worked with her in dispatch and all that, but he'd never gotten around to meeting my dad. So the first time we met him, my dad had come into dispatch to, you know, flirt with my mom or whatever he does. <laughs> and, uh, he goes, babe, I think like the janitor came in and is talking to your mom. And I go, it's probably my dad. 
<laughs> and he goes, I don't know. I don't know. He's wearing jeans and a black t-shirt. That's definitely my dad. <laughs> right. Undercover. Just always on the job. I like it. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so he was like, should I go over? I go, you could go over and introduce yourself. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I'd just been like, hi, I'm new here. That's it. <laughs> no, no uh, further explanation. <laughs> and our, our relationship moved fast. So by that point, I think we ended up getting engaged the next month. We were engaged oh, six months. We were married <laughs> eight months after that. So we so had to. We had to meet him. <laughs> Never a hot girl summer. Months into our marriage, I have to yeah. meet your dad. <laughs> yeah, literally, never a hot girl summer. I was. <laughs> I was That's hitched fast. So amazing. <laughs> so so funny. It was so, but you know, and through through all this, it was probably several years into me dispatching. Um, before I was like, holy crap, this is my career, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, through all that, you know, I thought about going to nursing school, I did all my prerequisites and everything. I had like a pretty good GPA. I think it was like a three and a half or something. All that math and science, I'd have a two point nothing. Like uh, (laughs) That was the hardest thing for me. But yeah, Yeah. I had like a 3.5 in that year. It was super competitive here in Dallas. Yeah. And they didn't accept anyone with less than a 3.75. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. (laughs) So I was crushed. You know, we um, we ended up being there for... Oh, gosh, until December of 08, and my Mm -hmm. husband got a job working with a friend that went into the gas and oil industry, and we moved to Arkansas, so I dispatched in Arkansas for a little bit, too. Arkansas, that must be interesting. (laughs) That was the biggest culture I've got to tell you. It really was. I can't imagine. (laughs) And it wasn't for Little Rock, you know, you know what? That was the craziest thing. My husband told me shortly before we moved there. He goes, "Do you, uh, this can't be right?" And I said, "What?" And he goes, "I was just researching Arkansas, and it says there's only a million people in the entire state. <laughs> that can't be right." And I go, "I don't know." So I went and looked it up, and sure enough, yeah, oh man, in the entire state of Arkansas. Meanwhile, I'm coming from DFW that had like. Four million just in our metroplex at the time, right? So I was I live in Cali and I went right. to school in Iowa. So my a lot of my basketball games were like plopping around the Midwest area, oh and gosh. there's a lot of just states where I'm just like, what? Who lives here? Exactly. <laughs> and I feel like Arkansas is, is one of those places that I imagine oh, is. Yeah. Very lowly, low populated. It it really is. And it was neat. I really, uh, it, it's beautiful there. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But yeah, huge culture shock, um, just people wise. Um, mm-hmm. We lived in Little Rock, but I actually dispatched for a town about 35 minutes north called Conway. There's three colleges there. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it was interesting to see. I found that same sort of like camaraderie that I had at Carrollton, mm-hmm. was able to find it there. Um, made some lifelong friends there that I still keep in touch with. Um, one of the other things that was very interesting to me is, um, and this was something I didn't learn until much later in my career, that there are different dispatch philosophies. Uh-huh. There's different styles uh-huh. of dispatch. Um, I did not learn that even there because it was so similar to what I had come from. It wasn't as, I don't want to say good, but it wasn't as maybe well-trained, 
Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, kind of the way things were done there was pretty similar. There was a few things that, that were a little like, whoa, mm-hmm. um, coming from Texas, things like as simple as prisoner transfers. Mm-hmm. Um, in, you know, in Carrollton in Texas, we all have marshals that mm-hmm. they're responsible for all the warrants, all the prisoners, all that. Mm-hmm. Officers might make some here and there overnight as needed, but for the mm-hmm. most part, the marshals all deal with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the first time I confirmed a warrant in Conway, Arkansas, I remember the agency on the other line says, okay. I said, yeah, it's confirmed. This is what it is. Bond, all that. And he goes, okay, cool. When are y'all coming to get him? <laughs> and I go, I don't know. The, deal, the marshals will deal with that. And the, I get my supervisor going, no, 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 we do that. We do that. Hang on. <laughs> you know, puts me on hold real quick and calls the sergeant up and says, hey, you know, this this agency out, you know, three hours away has oh confirmed goodness. on this warrant, you know. And they're wanting to know when we can come get them. And he you know, calls back, well, will they meet us halfway? <laughs> will they meet us halfway? And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> and they go, just ask if they'll meet us halfway. And so I ask and they go, yeah, you know what? Tell them to meet us at the old abandoned Chevron on the oh, you know, gosh. Highway <laughs> 3. You know? Could you imagine like me getting that call in Texas or the or Cali? Like, I don't, I something suspicious. I see two cop cars it and was, they're swapping a body between it at the old abandoned oh bar. God, <laughs> those were terrifying to oh, me. Absolutely God. terrifying. <laughs> Because you just think of everything that could go wrong in BFE, Arkansas. Yeah. In the morning, trying to sweep <laughs> officers out of radio range, swapping a prisoner. <laughs> oh my God. It is true. Like these, these, the, when you talk about like agencies and dispatch, like we all essentially do the same job, air quotes, but everyone does it so differently depending on the population they're serving the technology they have available you know the staff like it's i I wouldn't be surprised if there's a dispatcher out there who goes does a prisoner swap for the department (laughs) and in this case it was also the size of the state that i had never had to consider Mm -hmm. being in texas and i don't know how cali does it i'm sure it's probably pretty similar we have um for like our local warrants your little know misdemeanor warrants traffic mm-hmm. tickets crap like that it's based on a region system mm-hmm. so if you have a traffic ticket in houston it won't show up for us in dallas yeah yeah it's kind of like the local we have like a local database exactly and if you really if you really you know make so mad that we'll put you in the big database where everybody can see it <laughs> but all those little you know, yeah, small piddly whatever warrants in the the I see that all goes in our region system. So, yeah. um, it was strange to me that too. All of and you know, uh, Arkansas stuff goes into NCIC. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, in Little Rock, you're three hours away from any border. Before we continue, we wanted to take a moment to thank our partners at Prepared. You can learn more about the awesome support and technology Prepared provides to first responders by heading to prepared911.com. Partners like Prepared help to continue our mission of supporting, empowering, and educating the heroes under the headset. You can learn more about our resources and partnerships by heading to theraspydispatcher.com. Now let's get back to the show. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, I was hiding here. And they're like, well, we'll drive you across the state to hand you off. So don't like, come hide in Arkansas. <laughs> like, Carrollton, we're like, we're not going to Austin for a traffic ticket. No, get yeah. out of here. Yeah. Sight release. We're not coming. Yeah. We'll, we'll get them when they're closer. Exactly. Don't worry about it. We used to, we'd have people calling us saying, I got to go. I'm in Houston. I go to Dallas for a funeral, but I have a warrant in Dallas. And, you know, how do I, how do, for a traffic ticket, how do I make sure I don't get caught? Don't speed. Well, you can come right down to the station and take care of that. You can you come take care of it, but if you get pulled over, you're going to jail. Yeah. What do you mean? How do I, how do I get a freebie here? Like, how do we make this go away? <laughs> you know. And you know, you feel for them because I'm like, I get it. You're having to come down for a horrible thing, but. Take care of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How long have you had this warrant? You know, one time. So at my new agency, I at my old agency, I didn't run folks because we were just so busy. We had yeah. a warrants channel for that. Oh yeah. At this agency, I'm running people like the policy. If they put them on the call, we we run them out fully. Even if the officer's not asking for a full thing, it's officer safety. We run them out. And I got <laughs> someone was coming in to just do something for a friend. And I ran this person out and they had a warrant from like 1995. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I had to raise the officer like, hey, <laughs> confidential, are you clear? And they're like, go ahead. Because it's like just so random, like this thing. And I was like, well, I got a warrant from 1995, you know? And he was just like, copy, like just no <laughs> I was just like... <laughs> like obviously she's living the good life she's turned her life around i think it was like a, a traffic thing you know nothing major but it was one of those like i gotta tell you about it and they yeah. ended up citing her out but it was just like wild how long <laughs> and like he had to call the department because i wasn't getting involved in it i was like that thing is so old not site releasable you can call over to them and sort that out and they ended up citing them out and i was just like this is you just just escaping the law for centuries. Just really, <laughs> it really is. I had something like that happen too when I actually. So we ended up moving back to Carrollton or back to Texas, and I went back to Carrollton. Um, my husband ended up. That was so. That was the end of 08 into beginning of 09. Mm-hmm. and then we went through the um, recession, and he ended up getting laid off. Yeah. Yeah, so that was fun. But we ended up coming back to Texas. I went right back to Carrollton. Hmm. Um, and I stayed there really for the rest of my dispatch career. Um, mm-hmm. So that was in towards the end of like August 09. Okay. Uh, we started having kids. Yeah. Um, so we had two boys. And then um, in 2016, we ended up going to a regional center. Okay. Um, so it's now called the North Texas Emergency Communication Center. It's um, Carrollton, Addison, Farmers Branch, and Coppell, some other mm-hmm. smaller cities. Um, Carrollton is the largest of them. I mean, it's, it's still like a decent sized town. It's probably about 140-ish thousand people mm-hmm. at this point. Um, but like, and it's like 37 square miles. So the smallest of those cities was Addison, and it is four square miles. <laughs> Do they got one dispatcher, or y'all just lump it in with something? They, I, they, well, and I'll tell you, it's a more well-off little city. So I think they had well, they, they fully staffed. They got <laughs> Smith lives in Addison, Texas. Okay. You know, 
Um, it, it's definitely one of those, you bend over backwards for Addison, Texas. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you've got Carrollton that was, I mean, we were busy enough that, you know, we had our minimum was four dispatchers, someone on our main police channel, someone on NCIC, a fire, and a, at least one call taker. Hmm. Um, so we went from that the next smallest city or the next largest city, I should say of the four was Coppell. And it was literally exactly half the size of Carrollton. <laughs> so it was one of those, we were so busy in Carrollton. We knew it was going to be the biggest culture shock for the other three agencies. Right. Yeah. I could imagine. So, yeah. So like, uh, I think Coppell and we kind of staggered how we went into the new center. Coppell went first, then Farmer's Branch, then Addison. Mm. And the three of them are having so much fun together. They're getting along. They're having that like high five in each other. This is going to work. Absolutely. And then you like open the door explosions start happening behind you you like slow walking almost literally <laughs> we would come in for like training on our off days to learn because it was a brand new cad brand new everything mm. so we'd come in for little training sessions here and there and we'd just kind of walk into the floor and like there would be no phones ringing nothing and we'd kind of laugh and chuckle to ourselves <laughs> like we are not gonna know what hit them we had a couple Addison dispatchers that came over to help us because we were so short staffed with just calls. Mm. calls. And they kept telling everybody, you have no idea when Carolyn gets here, you have <laughs> not work. You know? And that's hilarious. Day one that Carrollton came over there, um, you know, we had fight we had fire and police chiefs there one of the assistant chiefs i had kind of known and grown up with since he was i think first made a sergeant what's <laughs> here to protect us from the dispatchers not anything else. <laughs> these 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 counts and dispatches are different that's why they here <laughs> yeah exactly we're built different <laughs> so yeah the first day we came in um and i sat over on our police channel one kind of waiting um, and I'll tell you a little backstory on our NCIC channel. So we always called it Channel 1 and Channel 2. Uh, channel 1 being the main PD, Channel 2 being kind of our NCIC, but it was also kind of a catch-all. So mm-hmm. you need someone to make a call, you go to Channel 2. You need to ask questions about something, you go to 2. We don't run anything on 1. You Don't don't ask me for numbers. Don't ask me to run a plate. Don't ask that me. Mark, for- yeah. I'm dispatching. I'm taking your traffic, and that's it. Don't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <I like> <laughs> So they kind of, I always said the two channels worked hand in hand, almost like a hive mind. Mm. <laughs> uh, you know, it was like, did you ever see that movie Pacific Rim? Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> for the thing, that's what I always said. It was like that. You had to share because you had to keep up with what, you know, if she's running someone, you kind of had to, you know, listen to her, be able to say, hey, he's got region or he's got NCIC or whatever for you mm-hmm. to send backups. And mm-hmm. so we sat next to each other they put us on exact opposite ends of this huge <laughs> floor. No, this doesn't work this doesn't yeah work. friend was actually the dispatcher sitting over on two literally on the other side of the room oh, and, like, looking back at her and just screaming <laughs> and they're like are you guys gonna yell at each other the whole time yeah 
We are. <laughs> you know, it's funny. <laughs> that is definitely a way to communicate in smaller centers. So I came from a larger yeah. to a smaller, and we did everything on the computer at my at my old agency. If there was a question, if radio had a question for the call taker, got sent over the MDT directly to my screen. But at my new center, I'm like, hey, drop! I, I'm dropping this call. Just start sending it. I don't really know yeah. what I got yet, but someone got to go. Like, <laughs> it was the same thing in Carrollton. I, I don't know what it is yet. Just go. Maybe just start moving. I'm working yeah. it out. We just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we had that going. But yes, the first, you know, they flip the switch mm-hmm. and the phones start blowing up. <laughs> And there were two girls from Farmer's Branch that were on our call-taking stations, and they keep going, oh, my God, are these phones broke? What is <laughs> Turn, Flip the switch back. It's not working. Flip it back. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm just laughing to myself because, you know, I'm the person that <clears throat> the world is burning around her. You have to, right? <laughs> So I'm just laughing because they're like, this is not going to work. We need more people. And we're like, make it work. Welcome to Carrollton. That's hilarious. So there was a lot of that. And then um, when we finally, I guess we started getting all the calls actually into our queue. Our first call was a burglary in progress. Mm. And this new um, CAD that we were using, the officers had to put themselves in service. I couldn't do it. Oh, well, that sounds a little... <laughs> I had zero officers checked in. and They I were like, a- not ready, not ready, not ready. <laughs> burglary in progress, zero officers. And I had all my chiefs behind me just standing there watching. And one of them goes, oh, no, what are we going to do? We don't have any officers. Like, just seriously worried. And I kind of turned back and looked at him, stomped the pedal. And I go, any unit available for a burglary in progress advise? <laughs> and I- Back at him, and I go, and that's how you do it. Right. <laughs> then, of course, they all start, oh, I can take it, I can go, I can go. I'd have been like, the chief's behind me. Is anyone available for Figure it out. He's looking at the screen. <laughs> oh, man. And it was, it was funny, because, you know, back before that, I would, you know, you would get tired of working that channel because it was so fast. We would rotate usually every two hours when I first started. Mm. It grew to four, and you'd sometimes be exhausted after four hours on that channel. I bet. Man, I know that feeling. A busy-ass channel. Well, and, and it's, it's just, it's not that big of a city. I mean, it's a decent-sized suburb, but it's, mm-hmm. in comparison, I'm sure, to all suburbs in California, it's not that big. Yeah. But the officers were so back to back. We had eight motor units that would just one, and we had to take their motor traffic. There's a lot of other agencies, like my husband's agency, um, that my parents also worked at, is much bigger than Carrollton, but their motor units don't check in. They just do their traffic and they stay in groups. Well, I kind of like that vibe because let me tell you, my the my pain <laughs> the motor unit that's 0605. Oh, motor motor 75 with the traffic yeah. stop motor 95 with the traffic stop like it is 0605 i've been here five minutes <laughs> and we have put out six traffic stops yeah i um, need everybody to relax because yeah. <laughs> like, they'll they'll pound they'll pound it out for oh, like a they, good hour <laughs> and when you get them and you get a couple new rookies that are just so excited to be an officer and they start running traffic 
do and you're like oh god yeah my, i heard it at my old agency i hear a motor sign on i'm like oh uh, why yeah. are you over here go to the other channel Same <laughs> thing oh man we used to beg them please open a motor channel please right oh that, my god seriously just oh, work wow. the other, just sit there and take traffic stops and not have to dispatch. <laughs> yeah, like I can do this all day. With, yeah. I don't got to worry about anything else coming in. <laughs> so yeah, but anyway, so that that all happened. But um, we were just so busy. It was one of those like, I, I think that was my first little moral dilemma as a dispatcher that I was mm -hmm. like, I could not throw an Addison dispatcher onto this channel. It's so and interesting. Out. Yeah. And so my supervisor actually was one of the guys from Capel and me and my best friend Dusty went to him. We're like, just so you know, we're not getting off these channels till y'all get trained. Yeah. He sat there and worked 12 hour shifts on Carrollton and channel two and told him we're, we're just not moving until probably about six weeks in one of our new coworkers from farmer's branch says, you know, I was from a town in Indiana that was a similar size to Carrollton. I think I could do it if y'all would train me. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. You're like, please, please yeah. come here. Supervisor <laughs> will let us, sure. And he, come like, drink I, it. Drink the water. Drink the Kool-Aid. We'll take it. <laughs> it was like, absolutely. He goes, I think you should train everybody on our shift. Yeah. But okay. And so I sat and for the next, I think, two months, Ooh. I trained one after the other, every single one of my coworkers to work Carrollton. Um, and that was where I really realized how different just these four cities that were all neighbors mm -hmm. were, how they did wow. things. Carrollton officers, I would used to laugh. They could be a little bit petty. <laughs> they were very big. They were, they were kind of babied. They were very big on, you know, making sure they were being checked on every 10 minutes, all that. Mm -hmm. um, making sure everything was done just right to the point that I sat on Coppell for the first time. And one of the officers was driving past another officer on traffic stop about eight minutes into a stop and goes, you know, just on the radio real quick. Hey, are you okay over there? And he goes, yeah, I'm fine. And I'm like offended. <laughs> and I look at my supervisor, John, and I go, I <laughs> dispatch copies. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Could I be offended that this officer just checked on this officer on this traffic stop? And he goes, "What? why would you be offended by that? I go, because if that happened in Carrollton, they'd be trying to say that I wasn't doing my job. Yeah. He just kind of goes, wow, that's fucked up. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Carrollton be dripping. <laughs> I go, so listen to everybody. Check on your officers in Carrollton. That's hilarious. Uh, so that was, um, that was it was fun um, for a while. I mean, it was fun for a while. Um, we had a lot of kind of upheaval as you tend to do in these like new regional centers. Yeah. I mean, um, they, they fired our director like pretty quickly. The first director we had just for kind of not doing anything. Well, shit uh, hell. You got Carrollton. You only got two people going to channel. We should have been prepared for this. <laughs> I, there's a lot they should have been prepared for. We literally came over with zero policies. Oh, Yeah. I'm a big policy gal. I'm oh, like, if there's one thing in the world I love in policy. my dispatch, it's policy. Because at the end of the day, if I'm confused, that's what I fall back on. If I'm not sure where to go with it, my style or whatever, I'm like, what's the policy? 
Okay, so that protects me. And yep. if there's no policy, Absolutely. there's nothing to protect me, you know? Very big on training, very big on policy. I loved, that's where I found my love for training, um, love for policy. I mean, the most boring thing you could think of, policy. <laughs> you gotta love it. But yeah, like the second day there, I went to my supervisor and I go, hey, I've got a warrant to confirm. What's our process for that? <laughs> And he let, just let him go. <laughs> he has a people to get to. Just, just about, let him go. That was about the. the I mean, he kind of put his hands on his hips and goes, "Yeah, we should work on that." <laughs> and I go, "Okay, so here's what we would have done at Carrollton. Yeah, do that. That sounds good." <laughs> Scary so, man. Out of that. Say. <laughs> There was a lot of that. And then um, we got a new director and um, I- I'm not too sure he's not Satan. <laughs> um, like I, I haven't seen Satan and him in the same room to confirm that I've they're never, not yeah. each other. <laughs> uh, he hated me. Oh, um, no. Yeah. Hated me. Uh, made my life a living hell there. I... Mm did a lot towards building a training program for them. Um, never got any kind of promotion into training. Mm. It was probably about two years in that I was like, I got to go back to school for something. I got to do something. And I kind of mm. kept hanging on to my, in my mind that I was going to get into medicine somehow, either nurse. Mm. I even fiddle farted with the idea of going to medical school. Um, I always loved the kind of emergency thing. Um, and then I started thinking that was around the time, I think in the first few years that um, Carrollton had an emergency manager mm-hmm. and learning what that was and what they do. And um, I was talking to my best friend, my best friend in the world who had been um, a supervisor at one point. And really, if you looked at our career trajectories, probably five years prior she would have been a dispatch lifer and I would have been, you know, off in nursing school mm. and we actually flipped and she got into nursing school. Wow. She, you you know, just handed your books over like, here you go. <laughs> and you know, I was the one, she kept talking about when I was pregnant, she wanted me to, she wanted, um, she wanted me to have a natural birth and she wanted to be my midwife. <laughs> and I was like, no. Could you imagine two dispatchers, a two dispatchers, a bathtub, and a midwife? Like that's <laughs> we would have been got the hell out of it. <laughs> the control, the power yeah. shift, the, the, the need to control that situation. Your man would be like, okay, look, I'll come back when we're done. You let me know. Like I can't even completely. <laughs> I know. I was like, give me the drugs. Give me the scheduled C-section. Right. Let me all be there. I'll be on time too. Exactly. <laughs> 49 and <Exactly>. route. <laughs> so she kept saying this with both my boys. She kept saying, just, no, just do it natural and I'll help you. I'll be a little doula. And I was like, girl, you know, you could go to nursing school and you could be a nurse midwife, right? And she really got to looking at it and she Ooh. ended up going. Look at us. Just inspiring folks with talking shit. I like it. <laughs> amazing nurse over at our county hospital in the you know i did get a 911 call one time i thought it was hilarious when i was at my old agency this guy calls me he's like hey we're having my baby at home a home birth (laughs) and the neighbors pounding on the wall because he thinks they're being too loud 
Oh my God. So he's trying to like support his lady, bringing his kid into the world. And the neighbor's like, hey, keep it down over there. Like maybe an apartment's not the best place to do a home. No, I feel like if you got a wall connected, go to the hospital. I yeah. don't know. But <laughs> go somewhere. Oh yeah. And that and that calls like that's not a high priority call. I mean, yeah, you're trying to bring your kid into this world without some drama, but in the city of Sacramento, that was a low priority. <laughs> that pendant, I talked to that man a few times. Like, I, I hear you. She's still pushing? Like, you guys still good? Do you need an ambulance? You okay? Okay, well, we'll try to get there as soon as we can. But, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, you know. But I uh, can imagine if someone had a dispatcher as a midwife, she would have been like, hold this real quick. Went right next door and been like, look, we're having a baby next door. Yeah, Maybe a couple more hours and we'll be done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, gosh, yeah, <laughs> that was a big note for me. <laughs> um, yeah. So she ended up with that, and I ended up thinking I was going to be a lifer dispatcher. Oh, man. Um, and that ended up not being in the cards, not necessarily through my own kind of volition, which I think you know I was really bitter about it there at the end after I quit. Mm. Um, and I was angry for a while because mm. it wasn't the exit I wanted to make, you know, yeah. I wanted to move up. I wanted to, I still have like this little bitty dream in my head. Maybe one day I'll go back and I'll be a director of the dispatch mm. center and run the toxicity out of it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but what, what I ended up, you know, kind of taking all those things that I liked, I liked being a dispatcher. I liked the adrenaline rush of it. I liked what I did. I liked, the idea of being a nurse and the emergency, even the doctor kind of stuff that was all of it boiled back down to being that calm and that person that knew what to do in an emergency. Mm -hmm. And so I started looking more into emergency management. Mm -hmm. um, I even kind of laughed when I wanted to be a nurse still. I kept telling my husband, I was like, you know, I would like if I ever became a nurse, I would really like to go to places that have been hit by like hurricanes, go travel mm -hmm. there. And just do nursing there yeah. for the cleanup and stuff and like the that. trenches, man. Ooh. Yeah. So stuff like that. And so when I got and I got down to it, I was like, maybe I want to do emergency management. Maybe that's oh. where it's leading me. Um, so I actually found a college program. I was still working at NTech. Um, in 2018, I started, I had done college here and there. So I had pretty much most of my first two years. Mm -hmm. So um, starting in fall of 2018, <laughs> back to school at Jacksonville State University, which is in mm -hmm. Alabama, 100% online um, emergency management program. We love an online program. I'm just saying, someone who has a few degrees, we love an online program. <laughs> and, the, and it had a minor in public safety telecommunication. Ooh. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I got to use some of my work um, experiences credit as like oh, nice. credit. So that was nice. Um, so I ended up going back to school full time, still mm -hmm. working full time plus, cause you know, we're shorthanded cause everybody. Okay. Is. <laughs> <clears throat> um, so, and I did that and I finished it in two years. I graduated in the pandemic in the summer of 2020. Awesome. <laughs> uh, same week that I graduated. <laughs> I like literally I graduated Friday and I was moving down to Austin three hours south of Dallas um, and I got a job working for the Texas Division of Emergency Management. Um, I kind of mm -hmm. finally 
finally had had it with the dispatch center. <laughs> um, they were moving. I had been on day shift on 12 hour shifts, you know, childcare was linked in with all that, you know, all that. And one of the things he was kind of doing, our director was doing to punish people was, okay, well, we're going to move y'all to different shifts and we're going to mm-hmm. take into account all these made up metrics I've come up with as to who's going to go where. Yeah. See, you know, folks out there who are in these power positions in our dispatch centers, you know, Mm-hmm. The job is hard enough, guys. The job yep. is hard enough. And we definitely, and I know I've been extremely lucky um, in my centers to not um, come across a lot of toxicity with our management. Um, but I know if, if you just go to these Facebook groups yep. and, you know, yep. dive in there, I mean, that's a rabbit hole you can dive down real quick. Really? There's a lot of toxicity in some of these dispatch centers. And, us on the floor, us in management, supervisors, you know, we really need to own making our centers a nice place to work because it's already stressful. We don't need the drama or the pettiness or the, you know, we just need support. And we know that the job entails sometimes forced overtime, sometimes a shift change, sometimes I'm covering some nonsense. I mean, last night was volunteer, voluntary, but yeah. I work day shift and it is possible that during my, you know, off days, if I get forced in for someone, that I might have to go do a graveyard. That's just the way of the job. But I don't want to be petty put on, on a shift because I made yep. someone mad or I got under someone's skin. Like, we really need to move away from that toxicity in our centers. Like, it's wild to me. Yeah. But it's still out there. And that was basically it for me. I, you know, got told by the end of the summer I would be moving to a evening shift, 10-hour shift. Mm. I hadn't done even and then it's a 10 no, I'm good. in years yeah. <laughs> like uh no and I I told them straight up I said well then I said if I haven't found a new job by the time shift change rolls around I'm, I'll just quit yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it's gonna be you know good for you because you yeah. know sometimes it, it, unfortunately we we have to know our worth right in these places and you know and that's scary you know, that's totally scary. And I'm not, I'm not gonna just tell people to just go quit their job and, you know, like this free fall. But at a certain point, we do need to assess the department we're at and if they're hearing our concerns and how they're responding to concerns. And if it's not a good mutual relationship, we should start looking elsewhere. Cause let me tell you, Everyone is hiring dispatchers. Yeah. Like departments, if you think you got it like that, like someone will go pay me to do the same job because mm-hmm. we're all short staffed. So we should be creating places people want to stay. Absolutely. Agree. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I did find a job. I didn't end up having to take a huge pay cut, but it was like, mm-hmm. you know what? This is my foot in the door in emergency mm-hmm. time. That was hard to come by for me um it's funny for how much dispatches even in emergency management seen as kind of an integral part of it mm-hmm. um it's really hard to get in and say i've got public safety experience i've yeah. got emergency experience mm-hmm. oh, dispatcher <laughs> oh yeah. freaking lot. let's go outside and talk about it <laughs> oh yeah yeah so, it was hard, but I did find this job. Um, it was down in Austin and it, you know, I got the, I did the interview thinking I'm probably not going to take this. It's such a pay cut. 
I, it's a move for me, my husband and the boys, and mm. the offer, and I panicked because mm. I do it. I knew it was probably my foot in the door, but I was terrified. Mm. My husband and he's like, "So we're moving to Austin." Like, that's right. Go ahead, hubby. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. He was like, then I guess we're moving to Austin. <laughs> like, oh God, you know, I actually have to do this now. <laughs> yeah, right. We already got the car packed, honey. The U-Haul's outside. We're leaving. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> we did. We moved. Uh, we moved to Austin that same weekend that we were, uh, the Friday we moved. I was starting work on Monday. We moved the Friday before, and that was the day of my graduation ceremony out in Alabama. So I skipped that. To oh, yeah. Like, mail it to me. I don't need to I do the whole thing. I can do a photo shoot at home. I don't want to walk around. It's hot in Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I moved down there, and my job, I kind of like to say, it was almost like the dispatch of the state emergency management. Okay. Was a I was called a technical operations officer one, um, and we kind of we sat. Our center was below the Texas Department of Public Safety headquarters. Okay. When I say below, I mean three basement levels below. Why are we always in the basements? That is a P. I'm asking you the know, world I, of whoever's I, I, making these blueprints. <laughs> why are we? Why are there no well, windows? Why are there carpet on the walls? And why are we put there? <laughs> this facility used to be a fallout shelter in like the 50s and 60s. Stop it! It it had like an episode of our scene from Greece too. It <laughs> has the 12 to 18 inch wide like armored doors on it i'm not kidding so the funniest part is if you if you go there in the middle of the dps parking lot on the back side by the docks there's this little house and it looks like a little like shed or a shack um like cinder block shack and we used to call it the snoopy dog house because that's what it looks like just a little you know yeah looks like literally just like a little bitty like garden shed um, you know, taller than that, obviously, and had a little pitched roof and one door. <clears throat> that is what you went, and it just opened to a staircase, and you had to, that was the only way in and out was the stairs, this, you know, three oh, flights wow. I was like, honey, we made a mistake. We're moving back. I, I think Carlton would take me. <laughs> I'll tell you it was because I was so unhappy at Carrollton or at, you know, Intech. I gained about a hundred pounds there. Mm, I bet. Yeah. So when I saw those stairs, I panicked. I was like, mm. how am I going to do this? And I, but I did, I did it. I didn't oh, look right. it, unfortunately at that time, but I, I did it for a good year and a half that mm-hmm. I was there. I didn't think I was going to make friends. I did. Um, we had, Basically, anything that was going on in the state, we were keeping eyes on Hmm. to the point of like um, trucks that carry uh, hazardous materials. We tracked them by GPS. Really? We had to send out notifications when they entered the state, when they left the state. We had to drop stuff in the state accidentally. (laughs) The time we had to track the time they were in the state. Oh my gosh! Stayed too long. If the truck driver stopped, they had to let us know. Um, it was stuff like that. We had like a data miner that we kept up with, so that you know, if we saw somebody on Twitter go, "Hey, anybody in you know um, 
El Paso, hear that explosion, we could send it to the people out there to our, you know, district coordinators out there to go investigate why did somebody on Twitter say explosion? That is that is wild because <laughs> people yeah. will call us, you know, like, did you guys hear that explosion? I'm like, no, I didn't. Like, yeah, you're like, well, I don't know. I guess we'll go no. figure it out. No one really called to advise. There was yeah. explosions, probably just a firework. I don't know. But yeah. the fact that you're, <laughs> there's yeah. people out there looking for folks because people drop that all now on like, oh next door and like you know all those little neighborhood apps that are great to dive into as well yeah. um, but that yeah um any weather coming in the area i mean i was there i'm sure you probably heard about it in uh february of 2021 when we had the big um winter weather storm that yeah texas um Austin, I think, was affected, one of the worst affected Central Texas. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, our power went out in, um, I don't know, I guess it was Sunday night, our power went out, and we were completely, you know, pretty much snowed in. I called work. They ended up actually getting us some hotel rooms. Power went out at the hotel rooms. Yeah. My family actually ended up coming to work with me because they would, you know, feed us and everything at work. So I would bring them to work with me because we had heat, we had food, we had stuff. Yeah, this is, this is and family I center now. Yeah. It, was, it was crazy. I remember saying through all the stuff that I've done in dispatch, I'm one of those people that's really good at compartmentalizing. Yeah. All the things that I've heard, that I've seen, that I've done, you know, I've had somebody shoot themselves on the phone with me. I've had, you know... Uh, all the things that you can think of that we, you know, I would have done in almost 17 years of dispatching, I did. Mm -hmm. Never had any problems, never needed the debrief, any of that. It just, I was always kind of one of those, you know, it's a cool world that we live in. Sometimes mm -hmm. bad things happen to good people and that's just the way of it. And I'm okay. I'm yeah. okay just because I know that that's what it is. That is the first time, that is the thing that I have said from here on out that would if I get PTSD, it will have been from that week. I bet. Because I never, in any of the emergencies I've worked, I've never had enough downtime that I could worry about myself and my family mm. and kids and where we were going to eat, where we were going to sleep, where we going to have power, where we going to be okay, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was the craziest thing and I just remember being at work and you know almost buzzing with anxiety the whole time we're there and anytime I could get something to do I, I would you know jump in and do it because it would be something to take my mind off yeah of, even having them in the same center with me and being able to lay eyes on them and know they were eating for the day and all that oh man that's still it was it was crazy and you know and we get over it with our our crazy humor I think <laughs> the day that my power and water came back on at my apartment and we could go back to the apartment and shower. Right, and start splashing the toilet. Just, you know. yeah. <laughs> Start taking a shower. Um, I saw a TikTok and the guy in the shower just soaping up, dancing, you know, <laughs> shower, dancing to that Return of the Mac song. Yeah, Return of the Mac. <laughs> like everybody in Texas right now. And I'm like, oh my God. I bet. Jeez, Louise. that was the thing I needed to finally laugh. <laughs> um, but you know, kind of like anything else, we get over it, we get through it with our humor. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that was, it was an amazing experience. I got to learn about how jurisdictional emergency management, you know, we work for these cities and counties and we know how things work at that level to get to see it at the state level. Yeah, I could imagine it's more... Yeah. You know, when we, like, in California right now, we have all this weather, this rain. Yeah. Um, and I know, like, from our small, from my city view, you know, like, I have folks uh, calling and, and you know, the, the streets flooded, the, the drains are plugged, the this, the that. And, like, at a certain point, it's like, you got to go out there with your umbrellas. Right? We don't got enough folks. You got to go out there and start trying to clear your own storm drain until we get there, yeah. kind of thing. Um, and so... Uh, but there is another level of emergency yeah. management where the state is operating to help assist yeah. cities and, you know, all the other nuances, hazardous materials that are getting caught in our storm, you know, yeah. like things that we just don't realize are happening around us, Absolutely. you know, um, are being managed by folks like you who are up in, up in the state level. Yeah. So that was, that was a lot of the stuff we were doing. Um, you know, it, it was it was fun. It was a great experience. Austin was cool for a little while, <laughs> uh, but it's it's crazy um, there. It's so much busier than it was when I was a kid and would go down there for fun weekends. Um, and we ended up. Uh, I think I figured out really quickly the job itself was actually pretty easy. People really liked me, and it, it was a twenty four seven position. Um, I started off training on day shift. And day shift basically liked me so much they never got rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> I tricked them, huh? They're not yeah, they, you know. <laughs> they just kind of kept me. Um, you know, I ended up doing training stuff for them. I ended up switching some stuff over. I'm very um, process improvement minded. So there was stuff that I would take to our manager and supervisor and go, this isn't working. Let's do it this way. And so yeah. I think they were really appreciative of that. And they were, it was a great job for me because I got, to finally be appreciated mm. and got to finally get to know what a, I mean, they had their problems. Don't get me wrong. Everywhere has their problems, but to find an employer that was, you know, that would go to bat for you to find mm. an employer that your supervisors all supported you in anything you wanted to do. Um, um, it, man, it, it was really awesome to, just have that experience and mm-hmm. to have my supervisor sit down with me when I'd only been in the job, you know, less than a year and go, Hey, we're ready to promote you to the next level. And, yeah. you know, stuff like that. And, you know, we need you to do this, this, and this and did all those things and boom, here's your promotion. Wow. Um, stuff like that was great. So um, it was funny. Cause like, like I said, the job itself, it was very task oriented, pretty easy get through for any dispatcher um, but I realized pretty quickly going in I can't, I'm not going to be able to do this long term because mm-hmm. I, I need more I need more um, stimulation I need more learning more challenge mm-hmm. I was I was looking for jobs pretty quick there sadly mm-hmm. <laughs> well, like, hey you know go. like that, I'm all for I'm always looking for jobs I like, honestly, like if yeah. my department's listening I'm not leaving what I'm saying is I'm always <laughs> looking for the next opportunity. <laughs> yes. Always be looking for the next opportunity. Absolutely. Mm. That's kind of what I learned from NTech was never. And I kind of told myself after I left NTech, I'm never going to stay somewhere where I'm not learning or growing or mm. both. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of what I figured out really quickly is I wasn't learning. I wasn't growing. I would have loved to stay working for Tedum, um, just in a different role. They just mm-hmm. kind of weren't available at the time. Uh, and one of the things that I had wanted to do, especially since I got my degree, um, was go into healthcare emergency management. Okay. Again, kind of that healthcare background. I had wanted mm-hmm. to be a nurse. I'd wanted yeah. to be a doctor, maybe. So the healthcare was like, man, this would be really cool. Kind of like a, kind of like working for a college. You're, you're dealing with mm-hmm. something that is in essence, a small city, all the mm-hmm. things they have going, but you don't have the resources that a city has. Yeah. Um, you don't have just the water department. You can call up real quick and call your guys in after hours and say, Hey, come fix this. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's stuff like that, that was very um, kind of interesting to me, uh, both at the college and the, the, healthcare level. So I actually had been putting in for some colleges, some healthcare places around, and a position came up at Children's Health in Dallas. Um, mm-hmm. So it'd be back home for me. Um, <laughs> y'all just, y'all just bought the U-Haul at this point. You're like, you know what? I mean, really? <laughs> We're just going to keep it. You know, it's kind of weird that we keep bringing it back and come and get it. We're just going to hold on to it. <laughs> And it would have been so much easier. <laughs> um, so we did. We, uh, I, you know, it was funny because there's another, um, we have districts here uh, in, throughout the state that they refer to, a, they refer to them as a trauma advisory council, regional mm-hmm. trauma advisory council. And I had put in, before I got the job at Tedum, I had put in for a job, um, they do a lot of emergency management for the, at the healthcare level um, for the region. So kind of, you know, you have a mass casualty incident. They help coordinate EMS in the wow. area. Do you need extra, you know, if it happens in Dallas, are y'all going to need extra EMS? Do we need to call them from these suburbs to come help you? Um, what kind of patients do you have? Do we need to put hospitals on, you know, do we need to start calling the hospitals or figure out who's got room? You know, if y'all have burn patients, well, we only have so many burn units. Wow. We need to start looking outside our region. Do we need to start flying people to Oklahoma, to Louisiana, to New Mexico? What do we got to do? So it's really cool coordination, um, agency for that sort of thing. Um, but I had put in for a position with them before I got the job at Tedum, um, and I didn't get it, but the guy actually called me and he goes, I just wanted to tell you because I got the, the email. I kind of got the, the thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, yeah. And I was crushed. Yeah. And I still like, I was, I was crying. I was crushed so much. Yeah. I really thought I had it. And, um, and I wanted to get out of Ntech so bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I sent the guy an email. I was like, you know what? I would still like to work for this place. I'm going to send this guy an email and just say, hey, have you got any tips for me? Anything like that? Yeah. Give me a leg up the next time y'all are hiring. I would love to work for your organization. He called me 10 minutes after I sent that email. Mm -hmm. The deputy director calls me and is like, I just wanted to let you know we loved you. We absolutely loved you. Um, You would have been amazing here. It came down to experience. We had a guy that had experience in the exact grants we'd be working with. And I was like, I can't fault you. I can't blame you. Thank you so much for calling. Yeah. Um, so that, I mean, yeah, it was upsetting, but it was like, man, to really hear that. No, you like, seriously, yeah. it was hard. You made this hard. you know. Yeah. So um, they had another position come up. 
that I put in for. And then um, Children's was one of the places that I put in for also as an emergency management specialist for them. And I had an interview, I think I had a few interviews probably that week. I can't even remember where else I, <laughs> actually I do. One of them, my husband's family lives in North Carolina and we've talked about moving to North Carolina. So one was a college out in North Carolina mm-hmm. um, that I kind of had all around the same time. And I was so hyper-focused on this regional advisory council that I was like, they remembered me from the last time and it That's went awesome. again. And I was like, this is it, Chris. I'm getting this job. I know. Yeah. I was so hyper-fixated on that job that I got the call from um, Children's and I looked at my, I was at work and it was like 9 a.m. on a Wednesday and I look at my phone and I'm like, oh, I, I let me call them or let me call them right back. Cause they left a voicemail and I was like, Oh yeah, I remember this number. And I deleted it right after not really thinking anything of it. And I got a hold of the guy and he goes, Hey, this is the recruiter over at children's health. And I'm like, Oh yeah, great. Nice to meet you. You know, nice to talk to you again. And he goes, um, how do you think your interview went last week? And I go, Oh I, yeah, I thought it went good. Yeah. And he goes, uh, well, he goes, you think it went good? And I go, yeah. And he goes, well, it did go good. It went very good. <laughs> I tell you, girl, I I took a job at Tatum and I was making forty eight a year, down uh-huh. from about sixty five seventy with overtime. Yeah. Uh, then I got a little promotion that bumped me up to fifty four. Mm-hmm. I was looking for a job to make somewhere between sixty to seventy. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes, it went well. It went very well. Um, they want to offer you the job, and I go, oh, okay, and kind of sat down. And he goes. And they want to offer you 80 a year. Hey. <laughs> I go, oh. <laughs> well, uh, I'm just going to have to send the paperwork over. I'm going to have to take a look at it. I don't know. I, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I go, okay. <laughs> I was like, yes, I accept. And I, 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 my husband and he goes, what? <laughs> That is so awesome. I it was amazing. Um, and I went home that day just on cloud nine, all excited, you know, got things going with them. And that night I got another call from the Dallas Fort Worth area and um didn't notice it because I was celebrating. My <laughs> uh, I look at my phone and it was the deputy director from that regional advisory Ooh. council. Oh, now it's a competition. I like it. <laughs> yeah, and I go okay, and I was like, "That's that's this guy, baby. He's calling me to." And I go, and I think he's going to offer me this job. And he goes, "We'll see what he's going to pay you." And I'll, I go, "It's not going to be that much." And I was a little heartbroken there too because I wanted to work there so bad. <laughs> children's came out of nowhere. I what? had no clue I was even on kind of their radar. So um, but I called him back, and he was like. Hey, um, we, we really, you know, we liked you. We liked you last time. We loved you this time. We want to offer you this job. And I go, I'm so sorry, but you're too late. (laughs) (laughs) What? And I go, I I got a call from, from, you know, the, my, my manager with, uh, children's health. And he goes, oh no. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes, really? And I go, yeah. And he goes, I can already tell you, I can't match them. <laughs> that's 
Hilarious. <laughs> but can I give you my pitch anyway? And I was like, yeah, give me your pitch. What you got? And he came in 11 under. Mm. And I was like, I want to accept so bad. <laughs> I do. Oh, <laughs> gosh. And he was like, okay. No, he's like, no, I understand. It's great. We'll still get to work together. Because, you Aww. know, great. I'm so happy for you. This is great. Uh, the very next day, I get a call from the college in North Carolina. <laughs> oh, my God. You're just racking them in now. I, you know, and they called me during work, and I called them back afterwards. And I go, please. And I told the guy before he even answered, I go, please don't tell me you're offering me a job. <laughs> and he goes, no. And I go, okay. And he goes, no, actually, I was calling to let you know that, you know, we ended up going with someone else. And he goes, but I wanted to call and tell you because we just loved you so much. <laughs> and we really would like you to come at some other time for some other job. We just had to go with someone. I go, no, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Perfect. And I told him the whole deal. And he was like, oh, wow. So you're just done with job offer. But talk about like uh, going from one situation to a complete other, right? Where you're just feeling valued and folks are wanting to work with you. And even if you're not getting the job, they're like giving you that positive feedback. More positive feedback than you were receiving at your center prior to, you know what I mean? Like that's just, that's elating in in general, right? Even if it's a no, it's like a no, but come back, you know? And it was, it was amazing. And I'm so glad that kind of, I had that, that was a good boost to my uh, confidence that I needed. <laughs> I bet. And so. see, like, I didn't even realize that. And again, like I tried to avoid all medical dispatch stuff. It's not my cup of tea. I do not want to, I am a police dispatcher and I do not want to provide any medical services to anyone. Um, so I, for me, um, I didn't even think about, emergency medical management um being an option it's different than at the jurisdictional level i'll tell you um the jurisdictionally you know we're worried about weather a lot we're worried about weather we're worried about special events making sure those are all going off without a hitch really emergency management at the core of it is coordination we Mm -hmm. do that all the time we are constantly coordinating calls especially if you are working any sort of special events every now and then you get to work special dispatch events and stuff. You get to um, work the County fair or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. the center for that. Um, we used to, you know, I was a tack dispatcher. So um, I got all sorts of things like that, that I had to kind of look at from a very kind of global um, viewpoint. You have to know where your guys are going in at, you know, and I was one of those, not, a, not every center is this way. Not every dispatcher is this way. But I was very much one of those looking at the house we were about to raid on Google Maps to see with my own eyeballs what was the A side, B side, D side, what were my yeah. where were windows, all this. Um, I wanted to know which, who was on my teams, who was going in where. That was one of those things that made me feel better. There are some people I think that can probably dispatch without all that knowledge. Yeah. I needed it. I got to go through the alert air training for active shooter mm-hmm. with officers. Um, that was again, another amazing thing because I got to see with my own eyes, their formations, mm-hmm. how they would approach clearing a school, how they would go in, how they would take out a, a active shooter, mm-hmm. all these things. And that's just, you know, I'm a very visual person. Um, uh, I have a photographic memory, so I want to things play out in my head like 
so I can see a clear picture in my head when I'm looking, you know, and I can kind of follow my officers into this house. <laughs> we don't need a body warrant. We got her. Don't worry. Yeah, so, <laughs> uh, so you're kind of, it to me is kind of similar to those things. You have to coordinate all that. You're coordinating where your teams are going. You're coordinating, um, even your fires, if you ever dispatch for fire, when you have um, structure fires, those are probably a really good kind of intro to emergency management because fire runs the ICS protocol so much. Yeah. They have a command set up. They have a command center set up on a major fire. Um, they have different, you know, different agencies that are brought in. The Red Cross comes in. The, um, you know, we would have like citizens on patrol that would come in and bring, um our rehab tents and, you know, water and Gatorade and anything else they might need for rehab as they're pulling their teams in and out. Um, on top of having to call, you know, your utilities and everything else uh, that they need, that's all coordination, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think people really don't look at it that way. Um, setting up those channels, if you're the, the TAC dispatcher that sends out the SWAT call on Everbridge or Blackboard, you know, Connect, whatever you use, that's coordination. Mm -hmm. That's getting, you know, you, depending on how much leeway you have as the dispatcher for us, it was very much, this is your radio. You run this domain, you know, you mm -hmm. tell the police where to go. They do what you tell them to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that way, especially as a, as a tech dispatcher and you know, you got to wrangle the SWAT guys. Yeah, for real. <laughs> So, you know, they want to they want to start acting like they don't have to check in with you or they don't have to do this or that, you know, and you're real quick to tell them, no, you you do what I tell you to. <laughs> that part. That part. Oh, yeah. yeah. So people listening out there. And yeah. the gang units. Y'all love to come up on a channel chasing somebody not knowing where you are. <laughs> we had deployment units at one point that could go and do whatever they wanted. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> and they're the worst. Them in probation, stuff. man. Ugh. Uh, they only wanted to do stuff during shift change and call for extra units. <laughs> like no one's like, here. Like, no one. No one. Literally no one. I have like no I'm sending my partner. She's heading that way now. Yeah. Thank you. I, I have priority calls and no one to send to them. You think I'm gonna send anyone to you? I will, <laughs> but it's gonna suck. <laughs> you know. So Things like that, that I would say dispatchers really need to, um, you know, anybody, any good resume writer will tell you to really look at the things that you do and look at how that fits into a job description. It's the mm -hmm. same thing. What can you translate over to that? Think mm -hmm. real hard. Have you ever, uh, have you ever led a classroom, you know, training session? You've done presentations, mm -hmm. you've done lesson plans, you've done curriculum, you know, you've spoken in front of a group of people, you know, it's things yeah. to think about that translate. Mm -hmm. um, even a trainer, you know, I never had formal supervisory experience in dispatch, but I was a trainer for 12 years yeah. and um, did classroom training, did, uh, I pretty much trained at NTEC for four years straight without a break. Mm. And you are their first level supervisor. Yeah. You know? You are the one that sets their work duties. You are the one that will handle any first level kind of disciplinary issues. You're the one that tells them, knock it off, get off your phone, mm. you know, and p they don't translate that or they go, well, I don't have supervisory experience. Yes, you do. Yeah. <laughs> you no, it's true. Like we really do, especially when we're looking at um, yeah. moving on to a new role, a new position, really trying to, you know, really 
unpacking this yeah. job that we're doing because we I think we do lump it into like oh I'm just dispatching I'm just doing yeah. this and we really need to unpack each level of the things that we are doing yeah. because they do translate to these jobs and these opportunities that allow us to help folks in the way that we enjoy helping folks and then provide a little less trauma yeah. <laughs> than a 12-hour shift answering 911. Yeah. So so that's, I will say, that's probably my biggest tip to any dispatcher wanting to get out of dispatch, um, whether it's to do something that's kind of dispatch adjacent or mm-hmm. um, getting into something like emergency management. It, like that, really focus on what you do. Really look at your job description as a dispatcher, and not all of them are going to be well built out. You know, I've seen job descriptions that literally just say answer 911 and dispatch appropriate units. Um, okay, but, the human resources went above and beyond with that one. <laughs> um, no, really look at the things, and, and I think we had a little bit of experience because our cities and our centers that I worked for went through um, salary consults a few times mm-hmm. so where we were told write down every minuscule thing you do so that's what I would tell people write down you know even over the course of your week or a couple of weeks write down every little task that you did that day and mm-hmm. think about how that translates to something else um, and it sounds tedious and everything but man when you really add up everything we do in a day and all the variety of things that we do in a day, mm-hmm. um, you will easily find that that translates to other positions and other mm-hmm. um, industries even. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of my first tip to people there too. Um, and this is something I'm very passionate about. Dispatchers have got to get an education and I know mm-hmm. it's hard and it's very hard to go back to school. So many of us, came in like I did straight, you know, not straight out of high school, but not far from it. <laughs> and you, you've got to invest in yourself with that and get an education. Um, it's amazing. The shift that went through me and I, I was online. It wasn't interacting with other students. It was just having more knowledge. And, and I say that it probably was interacting with some other <laughs> setting. Um, and just reading about different things. I went from that person that grew up with the seniority rules kind of um, upbringing to we're not going to be able to survive if we keep letting people, you know, the only people that get to be on day shift are the people that have been here 10 years. We're not going to survive. Right. Yeah. Um, And I remember my mom would get so angry about it before she retired. And she'd like, you know, these millennials come in and I'm like, okay, one lady, I'm a millennial too. You birthed me. (laughs) You was there. (laughs) You created this. (laughs) Different. And y'all are older millennials. And I go, okay, mom, but I'm also telling you, we're not going to survive. This industry Mm -hmm. won't survive. Mm -hmm. And why should it? And I go, why should someone that's been there 20 years and hasn't truly worked since, you know, in the last five years, you know, sits around and collects the paycheck why should they get to have all the perks mm-hmm. they get for surviving it for that long? Well, sorry, you got to do more than survive it. In this the show. folks that are coming into this work field, they ain't taking, the, they leave it. They're like, yeah. oh, bye. And they're not yeah. giving notice. They're like, I'm out. You yeah. don't appreciate me. I'm out. You know, so and definitely. Yeah. Change that culture. He's hiring, you know, so mm-hmm. that's one thing. Um, and I think it also, it gives you, I think having that education would also give you a workforce that does know their worth more Mm -hmm. that um, 
can tell themselves, I don't have to be a dispatcher. I'm here because I want to be, and you better pay me, and you better give me some reason to want to be here. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, that's kind of one of those big things for me. In fact, after, actually, I won't even say after college, after uh, probably in my first semester going back to school in 2018, I realized really quickly that I probably need a master's degree too. Mm-hmm. Um, so the semester before I graduated, uh, my dream school growing up had always been Texas A&M. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a veterinarian, you know, mm-hmm. as a teenager and I wanted to go to A&M and I had been, you know, an Aggie in the heart ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, they put together a program. They have a um, master of public service and administration program. That's 100% online. And cool. I, so these, it was funny. It was the same week that I graduated, moved to Austin. I got my acceptance letter. Awesome. So, uh, so that cool. Was a great week for me. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> still actually in that program, I will graduate December of 2023. Very uh, cool. Yeah, so it's very cool. It's been that lifelong, you know, I get to, there's a lot of, you know, everybody says being at Texas A&M, being an Aggie is a cult, and it kind of is. That's like my fiance, she's a, a WSU, and she's like, oh, cool, so I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but like, same time, like, it's a, it's a cult, they, they kind of know yeah. what they're... <laughs> other things um one of the big things um the texas a&m has a huge network and one of the big things is getting your class ring ring. so i actually get my ring hey (laughs) there's whole traditions we got to go to the dixie chicken restaurant ducking in beer and chugging yeah go do all that i'll show up for that the beer i don't want to walk past stage but i'll show up for the beer and the chicken (laughs) (laughs) So I don't drink and um, I actually had, so I talked about having gained all that weight. Um, when I first came, my first week coming to work at um, Children's, I realized I was going to have to walk a whole lot and I was dying. Mm. I was literally dying. And my boss, I, I was in her office crying my first day going, I don't know if I can do this. Mm. This is so much walking. I'm so tired. I hurt so bad. Mm. And she told me, she was like, you know, I... She goes, um, she goes, I recently lost a lot of weight. I had gastric sleeve surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says, you know, she was a much smaller woman than me, but she was probably honestly about as heavy as I would be proportion wise, you know, talking. Mm-hmm. And she's like, it's the best thing I ever did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hemmed and hawed over it for about seven months before um, I had a day, you know, that I was busy and running around and I kind of went and collapsed into her chair in her office. Mm -hmm. And I go, I can't do this anymore. And she goes, what are you going to do? And I said, give me the name of your doctor. (laughs) And I got an appointment the next week. And two months later I had surgery this last September. Yeah. I have lost 80 pounds. Damn, congrats. That's awesome, man. Thing. I have a new mm-hmm. kind of new lease on life. I've off gone off so many medications I was on. I'm running around that hospital like you know, <laughs> They're like, where's Vanessa? Whoop. Yeah. <laughs> I laugh because um the same, you know, I felt very out of place that first week at my job, that first day at my job when we had a major incident happen that very first week I was there. Of that course, of course you did. Car- <laughs> what, Carlton <laughs> and the house were like, boom, here's the explosion. 
absolute shit magnet. We had actually incidents <laughs> happen within my first month there. Jeez. Um, <laughs> we, uh, but the first unit or the first thing we had that week, we had to move 10 babies out of the NICU somewhere else. And, um, that was a major thing. I was there till 6.30, 7.30 at night, several nights. So you mean it's not like Grey's Anatomy where, you know, Arizona coordinates all that? <laughs> There's someone who... <laughs> that, that's, that's what we do. We literally are the ones coordinating all uh-huh. of um, That's so cool. Making sure that that's getting done. You know, we're not the healthcare workers. Um, we definitely rely on our healthcare partners to tell us, well, from a clinical standpoint, we can't just move these babies that involves having to do this, having to do that, having to move isolate, having to move, um, you know, uh, oxygen and all the things that goes into this, um, all the machines and wires that goes into all this. You can't just pick a baby up out of a bassinet and move them. Yeah, Uh, that's awkward. (laughs) My director um, that was over my manager is was a nurse. She was a trauma nurse. So it was really great to have that, you know, to have someone on your team that can go, here's what we have to do for this. Um, but it's it involves so much coordination. It mm-hmm. involves, you know, getting with respiratory therapists, getting with, you know, different kinds of nurses, doctors, you know, every, all these people involved that you wouldn't have even thought of having security to hold elevators for us so we can oh do this. Gosh. Yeah. Um, so just the coordination that goes into these things, it blows your mind how many different departments in, in the healthcare that you have to work with for something that seems as simple as moving a baby. <laughs> yeah, geez Louise. Um, so then after that, um, there's a software program called Kronos, does a lot of timekeeping HR type stuff. The company itself was attacked by ransomware. Hmm. So it is Grey's Anatomy. I've seen that episode. <laughs> this was the week of a pay week. Oh, my um, God. Luckily, we don't use our pay systems through them, but we did use our timekeeping. So we had to figure out, we can't access timekeeping software. How do we make sure over a 1,000 people are paid Jeez, on a pay week? By this, this is the stuff that happened literally my first month. <laughs> um, so I, I got no downtime. I got, I mean, it was trial by fire for me. Oh um, my God. Well, hey, if, if not better who to do it than a dispatcher, right? Trial by freaking fire. <laughs> that was where I will tell you my first few days where I did not think I could prove my worth to them because of my physical shape. I will tell you that first week I proved my worth to them sitting in the command center Everybody was on radios and nobody had radio ear Oh, because they were having to coordinate, you know, I mean, it was literally, we were putting timelines together. You know, you do a timeline in any sort of event. Um, well, we would track baby on the move mm-hmm. time, baby in the elevator, baby off the elevator, baby back in their new room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had a doctor that was supposed to, we were supposed to be being told, when the nurse handed them off out of the room, that was what we were listening for. And when the nurse upstairs accepted them in mm. a different room by radio. And everybody's listening to this. And we had a doctor that somebody gave a radio that was living out his chip's dream. <laughs> Just, oh, right, right, right. <laughs> doctor on the move. Doctor in the elevator. Doctor. <laughs> doctor at, and it kept messing everybody up. My but gosh. I get in. I'm listening for Nurse Kim and Nurse Whitney. 
Like, sir, if you don't shh, yeah, <laughs> so the baby. Good. I'm, I'm sitting here going, oh, uh, I was like, you know, baby move time, you know, 5.59. And then the doctor says, I'm on the 10th floor or whatever he says. And they're like, oh, that's, that's it. And I go, nope, that was the doctor. And then I hear the nurse Kim say, baby received. And I'm like, baby received it, you know, six yeah. Like, oh my gosh. They at one point, you know, 10 babies in look at me and go, how do you hear all this? <laughs> and I go, for Kim and Whitney. And I don't care about nobody else. <laughs> just met them. And I go, yeah, but I, I, I key in on their voices. And that's what my, and my, I will never forget from my manager looking panicked when I told her, I don't know if I can physically do this, to looking over at her and just the pride on her face. Which like, my girl's got this part. <laughs> you know? That's so awesome. And the next day, I remember that whole week I was worried about my job. I'm like, is she going to fire me? Is she going to go? This isn't going to work. I can't do this. She's not going to be able to take off running with us when we need her to. Um, my boss was working remote that Friday, and it was just me and my partner um, that had been hired in a few months before me. She'd worked at the hospital for years, like 18 years or something. She was around my age. She's just a few years older than me. And I remember telling her, Sylvia, I'm so worried I'm going to get fired. And she just looked at me and she goes, you're not getting fired. <laughs> and she goes, I will tell you, you proved your that way. And I go, how? How did I possibly do that? You know, and she goes, I used to be an admin. I take notes like an admin does. I take minutes. She goes, I'm sitting there writing down everything that everybody's saying. She goes, I looked at your notes. You only got the important stuff that mm. we need. Every note you took is what's going to go in our after action report. You heard that radio when nobody else did. She was like, you, you have worth you can't even see. And she goes, your weight, your walking, we'll get you there. Don't worry about it. That's so amazing. It was. And that she's been my girl. Um, They figured out pretty quick that I'm pretty smart. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I mean, when we talk about, you know, being, being our best selves and, being in environments that uh, that we're thriving in, I mean, I've gained weight as, as yeah. a dispatcher. I mean, it's, it's a reality of our line of work. Um, but what it what's harder is to lose weight when we're unhappy in our line of work, right? So it's just one of those other things we need to be conscious about in our centers and, and supporting our people is like let's not make them job harder because it makes everything else about our self care harder. That's what it was for me is being at NTech and being so unhappy for four mm-hmm. years, mm-hmm. just putting on that weight. And, you know, we all ate out too much. Uh, we hit the pandemic and it DoorDash this, DoorDash that. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. And that continued for me when I was in Austin, you know, mm-hmm. all sorts of, you know, barbecue capital of the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man. It was, you know, it was funny even being in a better place. It was so hard to get the weight off. And mm-hmm. I did in the end. Um, I was the heaviest I've ever been when I came back to Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I've been this weight I'm currently at now since right after I had my kids probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and feeling so much better and so good. But um, yeah, so... On to how I got to uh, business continuity. So business continuity, let me just explain this real quick. It's like if there's a Venn diagram, there's emergency management on one side, business Mm -hmm. continuity on the other, and they kind of meet in the middle a little bit. Okay. If emergency management is like the disaster happens 
and they, um, at least in the hospital level, um, they, but even jurisdictionally, say you're hit by a tornado or something like that. Okay. Emergency management's job is coordinating the cleanup, right? Making sure that the everybody's out and safe, making sure that um, we start coordinating the cleanup, the fix, the uh, mitigation measures for next time. So this doesn't happen. How do we tornado proof this building? That oh, sort wow. of thing. Um, for the future, how do we run preparedness drills to make sure that everyone's ready and prepared next time? Business continuity is working in the um, a lot in the preparation phase. And their job is, okay, so the disaster has happened. Emergency management is working on getting us up and running again. How do we keep us running in the meantime? Mm-hmm. So if the tornado hits City Hall, how do we make sure that people keep getting their water? How do we make sure that people keep, uh, that we can keep our city council and mayor and city managers running mm-hmm. and the, the city? How do we make sure that we keep paying people? Um, how, you know, like for us, when I was at Carrollton, still at, we're actually working for Carrollton, our center was in the basement of City Hall. <laughs> where does, where do we relocate dispatch so that they can continue to work? You yeah. Know? It's all those things. Um, And you have to have plans in place for all of that. You have to identify what are your mission critical functions? What are things? And it, the goal is not to run 100% normal. The goal is just to run, just to be able to function. Yeah. Looking for perfection. It's just what. Duct tape, duct tape, and limo duct tape. (laughs) Yes, exactly. How do we keep us running? How do we keep Mm. paying people? How do we keep doing these things that we got to do to make sure the city runs Mm. as best as it can? Yeah. And again, we're not looking for perfection. Um, And so what actually kind of got me over to this is we had our emergency management program together at the hospital. Um, we had business continuity plans that the, the emergency management department had put together. Um, but it, it's one of those things that can easily fall to the back burner. It's one of those things that can easily just be done to check a box. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my director at the time was very much business continuity minded. It's her little pet project. And um, it's important. It's very important to kind mm-hmm. of for the preparedness side of emergency management to make sure you have good plans in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew a little bit about it because I'd been through a formal emergency management program where it had been discussed. And on top of that, one one good thing I will give the director over at Intech is he understood business continuity and was all about redundancies. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that we will use is even in the dispatch center, if your CAD goes down, what is, what do most centers do? You go on manual. Cry. We we go in the corner and cry. (laughs) So what if we told you, okay, but it does, the computer doesn't have to go down. It Mm -hmm. could, you know, you have backup generators that can keep it running, or you have um, a backup RMS that you can use. That doesn't, it's not perfect, but mm-hmm. it will function well enough that you can do your basic traffic stops, dispatches, mm-hmm. the redundancies that we talk about. And obviously, a manual is kind of your last ditch effort, but it's still. Yeah. So I did have a, a, this director over at Intech was very big on redundancies. He never wanted us to go down ever. He never wanted one lines to go down ever. We had generators on top of generators. We had 
um, backup. Cybersecurity is a big part mm-hmm. of that, making sure that you don't get hit with ransomware, that you don't have any gaps in coverage. Yeah. Happen. Yeah. Very big on those sorts of things. Um, it became our IT director would um, send out like fake phishing emails. And <laughs> make it realistic he would like send it from our executive director and say hey you need to look at these pictures and see if this is one of your cars oh and people would jump into it and click the picture to make sure it wasn't their car they were talking about and if you did click on his little fake links you would get sent to a all right you've been had now you have to take the cybersecurity awareness training. that's hilarious and that's so it funny. became a competition that who felt who fell for brian's traps <laughs> Um, so I had some knowledge of it because of that. And I remember one day my director over at children was talking to people, um, in our same kind of air division, but a different department. And she was saying, yeah, we're going to get this business continuity program up and off the ground. Mm. And, um, you were like, put me in coach. I'm ready. I well, got this. She was just sitting there and I was you know, talking and I was listening cause she was right next to my desk and she was talking to some, uh, the other department that was next to me. And the manager of that department goes, well, what's that? And so she started explaining it to her. And, um, you know, we have these plans. We figure out your mission critical functions. We make sure that you can still function. Um, Just having a plan in place so that um, if that happens, you can keep running. And I kind of jumped in and said, well, it's also really about having redundancies in place so that even if you do get hit by something, I said, just like our power, if the power gets knocked out for some reason, we have generators that will run the hospital, our diesel generators. And then on top of that, we have reserves of gas, diesel gas that we can use to continue to power the generators. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have curtailments where you know, not everything is going to run on the generator, just the emergency equipment that's plugged into certain outlets do. Yeah. And she, I will never forget, she stared at me for a minute and I had that, oh shit, I just interrupted her and stole her thunder. <laughs> I'm going to go back to my desk with my head down and not say another word. <laughs> no, she ended up going into my manager's office and was like, did you know Vanessa knows about business continuity? Right. And they talked amongst themselves and I got told later um, by my partner, I guess she had kind of overheard one of their conversations and she goes, girl, they're looking at you for this business continuity side. Well, my boss had told me, you know, when we hired the two of y'all, we hired y'all planning for the future. The goal was for my director to become a VP for my manager to become a director. And she said, and for you two, girls to become managers mm-hmm. and I remember like the, and this was first week talk and I was like you don't even know me <laughs> <laughs> I can't even find my like from my car to my parking spot uh, in the building without getting lost like what are you talking I about a complete idiot for all you know <laughs> yeah. and um they were true. And I will tell you, that was one of the things that really also kind of kept me hanging on was uh, my partner telling me, um, look, and she, I mean, she was also one of the ones she was like, I'll tell you everything they've ever told me has come true. So if they've said it, it's going to happen. That's cool. And I sat there and I said, okay, maybe. And so they came out and they said, okay, so we got approved for a, um, uh, emergency, you know, Lori's been promoted to VP, Dana's been promoted to director, we got approved for, you know, we're going to backfill our emergency manager 
position and we got approved for a business continuity manager. Wow. I'm, I'm like, they're going to find someone else. They're going to find someone else, mm-hmm. you know, someone else that knows more about than I do. Um, that was probably in May, cut to July. Both Sylvia and I were promoted. <laughs> That's awesome. Talk about full circle. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. finally getting the kudos and being able to really, uh, put the things that you're excited about into action somewhere where folks appreciate it. I mean, that's the dream, right? So now, yeah. So I have, I have one member on my team right now. Um, Eventually the plan is for me to have six underneath me. Ooh, look at you. Big balls. (laughs) (laughs) It's a thought to have one person. I mean, for the first time the other day, I've had him with me for about five months now. And um, he came over to my desk because we were really finally starting to get our program up and off the ground. We've had a bunch of crap happen, of course. The second, <laughs> of course, you know, we have <laughs> in our other departments that we have to focus on. Mm-hmm. But um, so for the first time, we've kind of started setting our appointments, starting to do our, hey, we're business continuity people. Let's tell you what that is and get your plan date um he came over to me the other day and he was like all right boss what's on the agenda today and it was the first time i was like he called me boss and i'm like, <laughs> you're like well we're gonna start by getting coffee let's walk yeah. over here and talk. <laughs> first first breakfast right <laughs> yeah. that's hilarious vanessa i feel like i can talk to you all freaking day if the world thinks we know each other we don't <laughs> It's been amazing. And I love hearing about all these different um, places folks can go with emergency management. And even when we talk about education, like I think I'm I'm pro-education as well. Um, I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I think the one thing that um, we don't acknowledge the value in with the education portion um, is the life experience you get from it. Um, not the books, not the, the grades, not, it's just even, even in a virtual setting, because both my master's degrees were in a virtual setting, um, being able to interact and learn from different people, bringing that for me into law enforcement, even in our patrol units is so vital to being able to, uh, really connect with community and, um, you know, have positive interactions, um, in the field and over the phones as dispatchers. Um, that's kind of the, that's for me, the most important, one of the more important aspects of education. So if you're out there, like these fools like to read, they want me in these books and da, 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 that's, that's really not the whole part of the education that I find the value in and bringing it into these fields. It's, it's the human interaction and the life experience you just get from, going back and forth with people over a topic and hearing people's different views, life experiences and whatnot. It's invaluable in our emergency service fields for sure. Absolutely. And so with that, I want to leave the folks with the question I ask everybody. Um, what would, what advice would you give someone who is considering a career in dispatch where it all started for you? Um, I will tell you probably the same thing that I would tell any of my trainees. Um, And it sounds discouraging probably, but it's not. Uh, I had plenty of trainees over the years that weren't going to make it. 
those of us that have trained for a long time can tell pretty quickly whether it's going to happen for you or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last few conversations you have are difficult. And I would always tell them the same thing. Cause of course, what do we do as humans? We go to, I'm too stupid for this. I'm not mm-hmm. fast enough. I'm not good enough. I'm whatever. And I would tell them every single time. I am not kidding. When I tell you, we had a literal rocket scientist come into this job, had a degree and worked as a rocket scientist at one point, could not do the job. Mm. It has nothing to do with being smart. One of the best dispatchers I ever knew, loved her to death, but she was dumb as rocks. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, and and I would tell him it takes all kinds. Mm. You know, I'm pretty smart myself. You have the other you know, other good dispatchers that aren't smart and are great at this. It just, it takes us, it takes all kinds and it takes a special type of person. And I would also always tell them just cause you couldn't do it here. Doesn't mean you couldn't do it somewhere. Maybe mm-hmm. this wasn't the right speed for you. Maybe mm-hmm. you need someplace a little smaller, a little slower, get the basics, have your little light bulb moment. That doesn't mean you couldn't come back here, mm-hmm. you know? So that's one of the things that I would tell anyone, if you think you want to do it, go for it. Cause you'll never know. Mm-hmm. And two, even if you have the hard times, keep sticking with it until the bitter end, mm-hmm. just to see if you can make it through. Because I've seen, I've had a few people that I thought there's no way they're going to make it. Man, they pulled it out at the end. <laughs> so I think that's my biggest takeaway from it is just try. If you mm-hmm. think you want to do it, try and give it your all. When your trainers tell you to study, by God, study. We're not <laughs> for our health. Um, you know, take advantage of every exercise you can do. Take advantage of every scenario. If you get a trainer that's, not giving you that time, not giving you your downtime to run scenarios, run through a chase, run through just a dozen traffic stops that you just type into Word. Yeah. You need. Don't be afraid to tell people what you need. Mm-hmm. Uh, just try. Give it your absolute best. Um, and the final bit of advice that I give to everyone is don't buy a car before you're out of training. That part. <laughs> <laughs> check and man my my academy mates i was like do we work for the same department because i swear our paychecks are the same how you rolling up in that and i got my 10 year old prius i just got a new car last month two months ago (laughs) i can tell you how many trainees i had that i knew weren't gonna make it a few more weeks they come to work going i went you know since i I saved up money and uh you know with my paychecks being bigger now and i Went and bought a new Mustang, and I'm like, oh. first and foremost, get the hybrid, baby, because the way the gas is looking right now. <laughs> Don't buy a car before you're out of here. <laughs> that is so true. That is funny and so true because I I've experienced and witnessed it. Don't do it. <laughs> everybody tries and everybody does, and you're oh like, my oh my gosh, oh, it's so lovely. funny. It's I name tattooed on you. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> You can lie about a symbol, baby, but a name, you got to start as a backstory and people can fact check you. <laughs> uh, 
Well, Vanessa, thank you so much. I truly have enjoyed um, our conversation. I've learned so much and uh, amazing advice on the way out the door for real. <laughs> um, again, yeah, I really appreciate you coming out. It's been, it's been a blast. I really had a good time. Thank you so much. <laughs> awesome. I'll be right back with you. Okay. Okay. All right, everybody, that was our episode today with Vanessa, emergency management, uh, business continuity, um, all these avenues and roads that you, if you're looking to move on from your dispatch centers, are available uh, because we in the dispatch world, we have a very unique set of skills um, that can be tremendous in the private sector and the emergency management world outside of dispatch. Um, and one thing that I took away from what Vanessa said um, as we were closing is it takes all kinds. Um, and it is so true. It takes all kinds of folks to be able to do this job. And as she says, um, it doesn't take a rocket scientist and not even a rocket scientist can't do the job sometimes. So um, know that if you're trying to get into this line of work, um, it's hard, it's long, it's challenging. But once you do succeed, you're amongst a very special uh, niche group of people who get to impact and save lives uh, every day. Uh, so with that, again, Vanessa, thank you for joining me today. Uh, for those out there, like, subscribe, tell a friend, and of course, stay raspy, everybody. See you next time. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Let's Talk Dispatch. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube at The Raspy Dispatcher. Follow us on Instagram and check out Let's talk dispatch anywhere you listen to podcasts. I'll see you next time and stay raspy.